is film like milk. Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm, damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk. Skim milk. Medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Hi, and welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we decide if a film has gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and say his name three times. Joining me today as my host is my friend, David William Rogers. Hello. It's David Beetlegeist Rogers, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I never knew that about you, and I've known you a long time, so that's new information. David, on that note, what is the film we are doing today? The film we are doing today is Beetlejuice, 1988. Love the 80s at this podcast, we do. And this, you know... (laughs) This was uh, directed by Tim Burton, and it definitely has that Tim Burton feel. Writers, uh, Michael McDowell, Larry Wilson, and Warren. It's Skarin, I believe, um, who did the screenplay. So this film is a great one, classic, right? We're getting around spooky season, and I mean, yes. you got... At- I was going to say, yeah. welcome welcome to October, mm-hmm. which is officially spooky season in the Age Like Milk house. I mean, I've been beating the Halloween drum. I love fall. I don't know yeah. if it's because I'm Australian and like, you know, our seasons are reversed. So like this time of year is actually spring. As soon as I came to North America like a decade ago, I was like... What is this pumpkin shit? I'm I'm fully <laughs> I'm in. in. I'm in. Well, we got to get you yeah. more and more into like the the scary stuff. I gotta desensitize you to yeah. The freaky, speaking of that, actually, scary. that's funny. I this I was quite afraid of this movie really? as a kid. Did you watch this as a kid? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember obviously like watching it now as an adult and we'll get into it, but like there's some cheesiness to it, which I think I appreciate kind of like the kitschy 80s thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you sort of touched on it like this feels like a Tim Burton film. Tim Burton, I don't know him directly, obviously. Not yet. But not yet. Um, What goes on in his mind? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know about that, David. You know, like he's... He's imagining snakes coming alive on banisters. He's imagining, you know, eyeballs on people's fingertips. And yeah, I I don't know, man. Yeah, just the thing. Yeah, like you said, things that come from his mind that make up a story are just fantastic. And just everything he touches. It's like horror for kids, honestly. Mm. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so let's let's just jump into the synopsis. I'll do it it. um, since I'm already blowing up and talking my big gobby mouth um so this is a movie about a loving couple who live in their dream home in the middle of nowhere and they unfortunately drown in an accident and they somehow get back to the house figure out that they're dead and they're they have this handbook for the recently deceased so they're trying to navigate this new state of being now when lo and behold a new family moves in mother father and daughter played by winona Ryder. And essentially, they try to they try to kick him out of the house. And, you know, as you do when you're desperate, they, they see this ad for this guy, Beetlejuice, and it's like, call me and I'll help you get these people out of your house. Or like, you know, do you have a, a problem with the living? Like, I can help. And they tangle with him. Turns out he's not a good guy. They were warned. But, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. Um, and then they actually end up liking the family, specifically the daughter. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
They go through some trials and tribulations, end up in, you know, these bureaucratic offices for the dead and come to realize that they can live peacefully with them so long as the family's not trying to exploit them. Because that's kind of a side plot where the mom, played by Moira Rose, a.k.a. Catherine O'Hare, is like, oh, we can totally make money of this. Uh, but no, and that, like, we can live in harmony. Too, from and that, it's uh, kind of sad. Yeah, that bureau that you're saying or um, that office they go to that was like the one big thing they're like you cannot let them make money off us or you know let people know that the dead yeah. you know that ghosts exist basically exist. and like haunting part yeah that's like a big no-no so yeah yeah it's it's i mean at, at its core it's a story about i think like getting along with your neighbors or like i don't know there, there's a message buried in there i felt really sad re-watching it because there's this you know young couple living in this house and pretty quickly you can see that they're so happy they're spending their two weeks vacation just at home like remodeling and mm-hmm. you know hanging out and alec baldwin plays the the husband character and he just loves like model trains and building or not model trains model like he's building the town yeah. essentially like a miniature and this woman from the town keeps being like oh you have to sell like you know there's this big guy from the city who wants to buy the house and they're like no thanks we're happy it's like it's it's sad it made me sad they were very like happy together you could tell yeah. and then and then they make they one died. quick run to the store and then they're such good people that he grabs a wheel because he almost hits a dog and they ended up dying because of that. (laughs) I mean, that was a cute dog, Mm -hmm. but seriously, it seemed that it looked like the dog from honey. I shrank the kids. I was thinking, was that like a little terrier? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that piece of shit dog was just ruining (laughs) ruining people's lives all through the eighties. Great agent manager for that dog. Yeah. (laughs) The hottest working dog in Hollywood in the eighties for sure. Um, But yeah, so obviously it's a classic kind of movie, Beetlejuice. Mm. I feel like, like I said, I was quite scared of it as a kid. I think there's just some, there's something about like the 80s and 90s horror style. It's the same with Pee Wee Herman. And I know a lot of people out there are probably big fans of his, but I just found that whole like overly colorful, kitschy thing. I find it kind of gross growing up. And I don't know. That's the only way I can describe it. Do you, do you still feel, feel similarly? Like, do you still feel that way now? Like after watching, rewatching Beetlejuice? Mm-hmm. I kind of, just like I a, like it. It's off and it's like weird. And like you said, like with Tim, Tim Burton, just like, uh, Catherine O'Hara, her being like uh, an artist in quotations, right? Um, you know, it's like her agent calls her a hack basically, but she builds um, models and sculptures <laughs> and all this stuff. And that is a very like Tim Burton house that they create, right? Yeah. And Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. I think uh, it's. Oh, there's something about like, I mean, okay, so let's talk about Michael Keaton, who is such a standout in this film. Mm -hmm. He plays the title character, Beetlejuice. Something so interesting. He doesn't appear in the film until like, I want to say like 30 or 40 minutes in. I I paused it to try to, I mean, he's kind of around, but he. Total minutes, I think. Something crazy like that. He's not in this movie very much. Yeah. It's just so, it's so crazy because I think we've talked about this before with like writers and and storytelling now it's like it's almost like people want you to bring everything forward you know the action has to you we need it in the first five minutes it's mm-hmm. now 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 because we're in more of a streaming model people will just like click out if the person that they you know like having jason momoa and something like if he didn't sort of appear early on 
I think people are like, oh, well, I came to see it because, you know. Do you think that is more with shows? It has to be that way. I know like you're you're seeing we've talked about this and you've stated this before that movies are like that, too. Like it's got to start now. It's got to start now. But do you think that's more with TV shows than movies or a lot of stuff in movies as I know, well. I, I mean, I'm noticed the more movies we watch though, I'm, I'm truly noticing a trend. Mm-hmm. Like the title character Beetlejuice doesn't appear for, you know, X amount of minutes in the film. I think, I think people just had more runway back in the day to like get the stories, you know, to a good place before they introduce that element. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a total sidebar, but it's, it's interesting. Cause I think a lot of movies, we, you and I watch a lot of films. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you kind of like get spoon fed the premise in the first few minutes. Like we went to see and saw bullet train together. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like very quickly, like they're on the bullet train. I feel like if this was an eighties movie. It would be like, they'd get on the train, like eventually, yeah, like 30 you know, you'd have like in. the whole, like, yeah, yeah, you'd have like Brad Pitt's like whole backstory. Yeah. Anyway, it's just so- something funny that I noticed, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. This style always creeps me out. The claymation mm-hmm. thing, which in my research, it did seem like, this sounds like a lot of money, but Tim Burton was only given a million dollars for like VFX and practical effects. Mm-hmm. So they kind of deliberately made it look B movie-ish. Yeah. But yeah, there's a grossness to it. Like Michael Keaton, like the moss on his face and his gross teeth. I don't know. It just <laughs> like creeps it. me yeah, out. Actually, he was only, he had 17 minutes of screen time, Michael Keaton. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they said um, his, there's been reports up to 90% of his lines were ad-libbed for this. I saw yeah, that, which is wild. <laughs> very. Yeah. It's it's amazing that he's such an amazing actor. But I think as a writer, I'd be like, "Bitch, yeah. there is." A script. But to be <laughs> and to be given that freedom to, to you just be like, "All right, go ahead. Yeah. Let's see what Michael. Let's see what you got for this scene." <laughs> and he's just bouncing around. I mean, he's hey, so baby. perfect. <laughs> yeah. He's. They, um, they, I saw that they were going to do like a sequel, um, Beetlejuice in Hawaii, and Michael yeah. Keaton and Winona Ryder. They signed up for it, but um, I never got off the ground because Tim was like, eh, "And production Batman now, production purgatory for forever." Yeah. Um, did you see like this originally was a very darker story? I saw that the ending. There was an original ending where Winona Ryder's character kills herself and then actually joins the ghost. Is that what you're talking uh, about? That and then also. Um, it was more like about uh, Beetlejuice, like raping than like uh, marrying Ugh. Lydia. Yeah, is uh, let's see. Um, originally, imagined Beetlejuice as a winged demon whose human form was that of a small Middle Eastern man, and his plans for the Dietzes was more about rape and murder than mischief and marriage. And then the car, cra- oh, the car no. crash was way more gruesome in the original script. Yeah, so th- that was something I was going to bring up to you that I rewatched this film and I was like, this is, yeah. So there's a lot of like inappropriate and unsolicited groping from Beetlejuice to um, the main character, Gina Davis's character, whose name is what? Barbara. <laughs> yeah, Bob, that's right. Um, a lot of groping, very inappropriate. And then also, how old is Winona Ryder's character supposed to be in this? He like, it, this, okay, literally I rewatched it and I was like, holy shit, as a kid, I totally missed the sexual assault and I totally missed the child bride situation. Yeah. yeah. Which is Not good. pretty fucked up. Yeah. 
And and Beetlejuice is creepy all the way around. Like when he goes to the purgatory place to like wait his turn or whatever, he puts his hand on this this pair of legs that's like separated <laughs> from the body. Sorry, and then you know there. the woman, the top half is like, excuse me, and like slaps him. But nobody really like does or says anything. This guy's a fucking oh, yeah, pervert. He's a, he's, a, like, he's a creep for sure. <laughs> like, but and actually, Bob like doesn't want to work with him because she can't. She doesn't want him to be like around Winona Ryder's character, who's young, mm-hmm. who they care about, and Alec Baldwin's character is like, oh, it, it's fine, it'll be fine. No, it's I like think classic. What, isn't um, when they first met him though? Wasn't he? Wasn't Alec Baldwin pushing Barbara like like? No, we can't work with this guy, or, or was it vice versa? I think it, uh, he. I just remember the scene where he's like, I know he's the worst, but like, we got to work with them. Oh, like yeah, he's yeah. our only chance. To get that, and I get was like, wow, if that's, if that's not a metaphor for uh, like Hollywood or yeah, something, yeah. like fuck. Fine. Just standing by but, quietly. Um, yeah. But those are the, those are the two main things that stood out to me as being like aged. I mean, obviously you've also got like no people of color. Shocker. Nope. Uh, there's like one football player. And that was it. But like, you can't really tell. I mean, they're all, they're all dead and in makeup. Um, so there's that. They, I did see that they left um, kind of like a loophole in this movie because you see when they're all in that office, everybody in that office had passed away. They look how they died, like the shrunken head. Yeah. And, you know, the lady was like the slit throat, stuff like that. Um, they drowned and they didn't want the actors to be like wet the whole movie. Wet the whole so, time. So, yeah. So yeah. they let that slide. Which I mean, but you know, it's just so interesting. Like the longer I exist on this planet, the more, and I know we've had so many discussions about like representation in films, especially like pre nineties, where it obviously wasn't a part of anyone's psyche. Cause then you get into like the nineties and two thousands, like rom-coms where there was like the black best friend. And we're like, yeah. Oh, well at least, you know, that character had a name and a, <laughs> had a purpose versus just even though they're still a prop, but like the more movies we do, David, the more it's really like bothering me and frustrating me that like, that it just never even like, was this a representation of small town America in the eighties? Because America is so much more diverse than this. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> can't, can't tell you. Like growing up, I was, you know, one of three, like, colored kids basically black kids in my school and it was me and my two older brothers so um that was a sm- smaller town it wasn't that small but it's uh yeah uh, and people came from the city too like you could have had one of the execs be a person of color or anyone or anyone or, different yeah, that's yeah, not why yeah because there's there are we talk about this a lot there are characters in this movie that it doesn't matter what their background is um they could be, yeah, basically be anybody, and they chose not to. But uh, you know, that's uh, <laughs> a lot of these movies we no, talk about really... and see from from eighties, fifties, sixties, nineties, even so, early two thousands. It just, it's just so crazy to me. It's like if you were an alien, you came to Earth, and you were analyzing movies from you know, throughout history, like, I think you would really think that like people lived in different, like basically like different planets, you know, like there was, cause we've done some movies that it's like pretty much an all, um, person of color cast, you know, or whatever, or it's like majority. Uh, and then, but like, even then 
it's just like it just feels so segregated through cinema it's so yeah. interesting to me as yeah. a foreigner and you know someone who comes from a different country but i don't think it's just america i think you look back at at films i mean we did priscilla queen of the desert mm-hmm. you know yeah anyway something super interesting so what else struck you about this film mr david uh well just quick on that it's like it's it's who holds the the doors right the gates to let people in and a lot of people that were running these studios that were in these probably i don't know about writing rooms but um you know casting all this stuff they were you know from like a white background basically right the mm. studio heads people that green light and you know this is a business and that's what they were choosing so it, it that makes sense when you look at it through that lens but um one of the big things about this movie uh, is like the the makeup and and costumes mm. i thought were all fantastic uh, especially like Beetlejuice. Uh, I was actually looking up his costume for the wedding and I was thinking about doing that for Halloween, like with that like burgundy suit he's got on. I don't know. I just, the creepiness and like playfulness that uh, Michael Keaton did with Beetlejuice, I just always have loved this character since I was a kid. You know, and he's like, hey, oh, oh. <laughs> and yeah. he like puts yeah. those horns out and, um, Barbara or Alec Baldwin or Gina Davis drops him and he's like brushing off and then he's he opens up like a strip club and he's like hey baby and he's like bouncing and he's like on his way into it just I don't know I just I, I love yeah. all of he, that the physicalness yeah, of the this physical is amazing mess. and then just the like the makeup and costumes that they created for all these dead characters um, I, I thought were great and they're like off-putting and weird especially with um, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin and they're trying to do like the faces you know and he like he puts his hand in his mouth and then uh gina davis pulls her like mouth open and her eyes through by her tongue it's all very bizarre and uh very bizarre but i I liked all that stuff yeah i I think as well like something to note is the way they did a lot with a little you know like a million dollars for vfx and practical effects like that seems like a lot of money but it's really not Mm -mm. and i loved how they simplified like because essentially they were like, they can't go outside. And what happens is if they go outside the door, they're in this like sand kind of desert with these sandworms. And they're so claymation-y, mm-hmm. but it kind of did work with the film. Although <laughs> it's like you do watch it and you're like, this has aged because we've come so far in CGI now. Yeah, and there's a, a, like a glimpse where you can see uh, Michael Keaton on um, support, like ropes or uh, oh, yeah. like the line you know because because <laughs> uh, it was you know filmed in the 80s and now we're watching high def and you can kind of see some of that stuff or like when his head gets shrunk at the end which they added in post-production that scene um and you can, can definitely tell, tell yeah. it's like it's yeah doesn't flow. even when they were in even in when they were in the the desert area like the you could tell it was like a green screen or whatever i don't know if you guys had this in in Sydney, when I lived in Sydney, there was this museum called the, I forget now, Sydney Powerhouse, I think it's called. And I'll never forget they had, this is probably like 
if I'm really being honest, like tracing stuff back to like my love of like film and TV and wanting to be a part of it. But they had this exhibition I'll never forget. And they had like green screen type things and they had like these, you know, things that you could like hold on to and it looked like you were falling off a ledge. And it was basically like playing with perception and, and TV and stuff. And we went a couple of times and you could go through the thing and they would give you like a VHS of you, oh, you know, like cool. flying. You'd be lying on a green box and they'd have like whatever. I have, and I have a green screen that mean you can play around okay. with one day. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should absolutely do that. But it's just so funny, like watching watching this movie. I just was like transported back to my childhood, where I remember like the early days of green screen. Like now, there's so much more to it. Like they're blurring things, they're putting in fake crowds that they've like computer generated. Yeah. But in '88, they were really doing a lot with what they had. I, and it's <laughs> and as an actor, like it's you really got to have that imagination piece right back from your childhood to, to believe in that and to create it for yourself, to have that actual representation of what that character is going through. Um, and I know we talked about like Game of Thrones and you might not be watching it just yet. I think you should, but in the new, the house of the dragon, I'm afraid of the, the violence yeah. against women. I just read online that it was excessive. I, I haven't seen it yet in, in this new series. Did you watch the old one yet? Or did you? I mean, I saw the first two seasons, okay. to be fair. Have, I read the books, like and then here's a story. Left. Back in the day when HBO Max was, like, so expensive, or HBO, whatever, mm. I was dating a guy, and he, his family was the one with the HBO subscription, so we used to go on Sundays and watch every week, you know, as a group, and then when we broke up, I fell behind, because, yeah. you know, it happens. I was no longer in I, I get that. So, and I've never, like, revisited yeah. it, to be fair. But um, in the new The House of the Dragon, I just saw, I was watching a behind-the-scenes uh, thing, and they built this whole stage with, like, TV monitors, basically, to wow. create, like, to show the castle in the back, and, like, the dragons flying over, and the actors were saying, like, yeah, I couldn't get off my mark, because because that would mess up where the castle was behind me on the on the wow. TV monitors. Yeah, and it's like the whole room was TV monitors. So like that, and that was like newer technology. Um, yeah, kind of where some that's productions. How the, the Mandalorian was shot on something called the volume. And the only reason I know about this stuff is because we had um, a lot of VFX in Sweet Girl, which I worked on, and then also this. Carhartt commercial, which I did last year, um, we were thinking for a second of shooting it at the volume, but we said, fuck that, we'll just shoot it in actual Montana. But it's so crazy. If it's the same thing I'm thinking of, they kind of like project it like on the back. Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, it's like a bunch of monitors and it shows like basically so there'd be a castle behind me and then, wow. you know, like you're on the other side and there's a dragon behind you and the camera's got to be for whatever the shot's going to be, they got to be in a certain spot. So like exactly if, where they yeah, need to be, if yeah. an actor comes in and was like, oh, I was going to turn here and like, no, you can't because <laughs> that's it's situated behind you in a way where if the next scene you do something totally different and you're off your mark, it's we can't you know, edit it correctly, basically, because you're off now. Right. It doesn't look right. So it's just kind of interesting. Um, you know, te yeah, newer technologies like emerge. For you as an actor, would you be more interested in working on a green screen or on something like that? Um, probably, I would probably say green screen because you, I feel like just what I heard the actors from Game of Thrones, that they didn't have much room to... Freedom. To freedom to move around at all like you had to be right there mm -hmm. and because whatever is behind you is going to be pinned there like if you're doing a green screen like they can probably manipulate that a little bit better um for whatever they're putting on that green screen but and then the other side of right. that though like to argue against that is 
with that, the newer technology, you can see, you can visualize it, mm. right? Because they're putting that image for you. So you don't have to like think of it all in your head, basically going into it. So there's probably plus and minuses to both, right? But I would yeah. rather probably Yeah, because I was screen. thinking like, you know, we did, um, what's the Peter Pan movie? Is it? Uh, Hook. Uh, Hook, yeah. Mm-hmm. They built a lot of those like, you know, yeah. Yeah. boats and like the fun things to play around with. I'm sure like as an actor, like physically touching things and like being interacting with things is better, right? Because yeah. if you see videos of like them shooting, for example, the Avengers, they're just standing <laughs> there with wires attached to them. A, yeah, and a green screen. It's pretending. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you can cut on your production costs, right, and you can add that somewhere else, like I get it. Mm. Um, you know, like no, you're an actor. Like you need to make up the world in act, your head and bitch. believe it and act. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> dance you dance when i say dance um but you're gonna cut the the production to build that hook set right um but yeah you definitely would rather have that set and be able to spend some time in it before you before you shoot so Mm. um Um, did you see sammy davis jr was tim burton's first choice for beetlejuice i saw that that would have been interesting there's a there's they, I feel like they went through a lot of different actors for multiple characters before they settled on who they you know who they wanted. I think like Tim for uh, what for Beetlejuice it was like Jim Carrey was considered. Um, Damn, that would have been an interesting yeah, casting. So producers considered Bill Murray, Jack Nicholson, Robert Williams, Jim Carrey, Tim Curry, Christopher Lloyd, and Dudley Moore. And then Sam Kinison, wow. the comedian, was even um, considered, but Kinison's agent never told him about it. <laughs> but uh, Jim Carrey would have been oh, interesting. No. Robin Williams uh, would have been interesting. I don't know, though. Like, Keaton did such a good job with this. He did such a good job. Yeah. He did such a good job. I saw, I, I was looking up the uh, the little trivia. Catherine O'Hara met her husband on this film, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Bo Welch, who's a production designer. Apparently, Tim Burton was like, you should ask her out. And Bo Welch was quoted as saying, like, I didn't know I was even allowed to, like, talk to the actors. And they've been <laughs> together for so many years and have two kids. And I think that's just so, so cute. That is that cute. They met on this movie. Yeah. So, like, obviously a very special time for them. Uh, we can't talk about Beetlejuice and not talk about the such famous scene. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Um, let me think. Come, Mr. Yeah. Tallyman, carry me Yeah. Yeah. They uh, wanted to keep it like a little bit lighter, I think, or Tim Burton. I think that's why they included some of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. That song, correct me if I'm wrong, is a slave song. Uh, I don't know that. Okay, so it's a work so- call and response work song from the point of view of dock workers working the night shift, um, loading bananas onto the ship. The lyrics describe how daylight has come, their shift is over, and they want their work to be counted so that they can go home. So maybe it's not a slave song, mm. but it's definitely not a white people song yeah so it's harry belafonte he spoke out a lot about you know like injustice and things of that nature 
I'm seeing that this came from Jamaica. Civil rights movement. Yeah, but um, yeah, Calypso, R&B, but that was Harry Belafonte who sings this song. Or at least maybe covered it. I don't know if he wrote it or not. This version. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... You can tell from the way that, like, it sounds. Like, it definitely is... Anyway, it's uh, it's like the song... um, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, which the Brits have adopted as their, like, soccer chant. Hmm. <laughs> like, their rugby interesting. chant. <laughs> wow. What's that? I said interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> bit of a, yeah, always a bit of a, a something. But um, that is a that is a really famous scene with the shrimp in the bowl that, like, turns into hands that grabs them. Mm-hmm. I think probably one of the most iconic scenes from this film, personally, for me. Definitely. And... Yeah, I was looking at how they did it because obviously the stagehands couldn't see that like they were under the tables with the like, controlling it. So what they did was that they actually had the shrimp start on the face, mm-hmm. the shrimp hands, and then they pulled it back and then they just reversed the film. So they had them act as if, you know, yeah. it just came up out of the And I bowl. saw that that was um, one of the actor's ideas to do that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, what's, what's the guy's name? Um, Cavett? Um, yeah, Dick Cavett, who was one of like, I think he was her agent. He was at the, yeah, the first dinner. Uh, yeah. Um, and that's at, when he's leaving, he called her like a hack or whatever. I, I thought that scene was funny, but yeah, the, <laughs> she was so good. Uh, Catherine O'Hara, when she's dancing and like being able to play, I'm not in control of my body and like questioning it, yeah. you know, you can see all in her face, like what's going on. Um, she's what a career she's this, had. This is. This is an iconic performance for her, Mm -hmm. I feel like. And what I love about it is also like her costumes, which just fits so well with her character. And then like you see some of that like sort of played on in Schitt's Creek, which became like it's her most like recent role. Yeah. yeah. She is fantastic. We love to see it. Mm -hmm. There... The only other thing that like really ruffled my feathers in this was, um, yeah, I kind of touched on it earlier. The friend of the couple, Diedrichs's, um, just like insisting that they sell their house and it's too big for them because they don't have kids. And I, I don't know why that really annoyed me because I was like, who the fuck are you? Like, maybe they can't have kids. I think they were kind of making it a little nod to that because Alec Baldwin's character is like, we can try again, but also like. I was like, who are these busy fucking bodies? Like, yeah. let them live. They like living in their big old house in the middle of nowhere. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah they, uh, they they loved where they're at. And they're such a – that was very good chemistry between those two when they're showing how, how they work together and they're, like, laughing about going on vacation and all that stuff. Yeah, it's good. It Young was Alec Baldwin good. was extremely attractive. You know, whatever you may think about him now, which I have my opinions. Uh, he, you can't deny he was quite the heartthrob back in the day. <laughs> Wouldn't say no. Yeah. And Jaden Davis looks good. They all looked great. Yeah. All these people that have like such like iconic faces now that you would recognize from movies. Just out here living their young best life. Gina Davis had a fantastic career too. Um, yeah. There's that movie where it's, I think it's like... Um, is she a pirate in a movie? Do you remember that? Is she? Uh, I thought I thought she was. I'd have to look it up. But yeah, she's she's solid. 
Oh, I just looked on the IMDb and I, I lied. There was a person of color in this. It was J.J. Saunders, Moving Man number one. Moving Man number one. Killed it. Shout out to you. Nailed it. <laughs> Shout out to you. Jeffrey Jones, who plays Charles, um, Catherine O'Hara's character's husband, he was a fun character too. I liked him a lot. He was yeah. kind of like this eccentric guy who was always trying to do a deal mm. and like moves his family to the middle of nowhere. We were never super clear on why he moved his family to the middle of nowhere i I think think. when he's talking to his boss and his boss was like you know you should be relaxing i think he had like some sort of breakdown because he called he's like you should yeah you should buy this house in this town and he's the whole like his anchor is that he wants to relax and he doesn't want changes in the house and he's like well don't touch this room like we're here to relax i'm trying to relax and then she's like i'm gonna die if i can't change this house or Catherine O'Hara does character Delia (laughs) she's a and she's a she's Lydia Renata Ryder's stepmom I think so she's clearly Mm -hmm. like the hot young wife that he's like married and she has these hideous sculptures that she does she's a sculptor that becomes they come alive at the end which I remember (laughs) that freaking me the fuck out as a child the one that looks like kind of like a scorpion with a with a big square butt i was like ah that, i don't know just as a child you're so impressionable you know and it that one that when they're got it on the crane and it busts through the window mm. and then it traps her in it she's uh she's so good mm-hmm. yeah love watching she's her. so talented mm-hmm. she's so talented well it is spooky season so i think the entire month of october we will do all the scary movies mm-hmm. and this is just the very beginning and what a classic you know Beetlejuice I think you know we're talking about all the different people that could have been cast I think honestly this is one of my favorite Michael Keaton roles I know he's only in the film for like 17 minutes but it's his favorite this whole cast is just oh yeah that's yeah. awesome it's just such a great such a great movie um but was there anything else that really bugged you about it? I mean, it's a very 80s film. It's very Tim Burton. Yeah, I don't think um, much much bugged me about this one. It's just, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not overly scary. It's kind of got its own lane to me. You know, it's funny in moments. It's weird. It's creepy. The acting's great. So, you know. Yeah, I liked it. I think... It would be interesting. I mean, the you know, in the land of remakes, which we live in, because obviously every time you and I discuss a film, we suddenly find out <laughs> that there's a remake in the works. I think this is one that I could get really excited about yeah. to see, you know, I I don't know. If Michael I hope Keaton that it was doing go the it. way of the, the new um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd watch it if, yeah. it was, if it was Michael Keaton. You mean Michael Keaton come back and reprise the role? Yeah, yeah. I'd need him as Beetlejuice again. What if he was like old Beetlejuice? Although he can't age because he's already dead. Yeah. But like, what if it was, I don't know. I, I could see um, if you're going to place like, I could see it where he's competing against a new up and coming. A new Beetlejuice. Yeah. And like they're fighting for business or whatever, you know, something like that. That would be interesting to watch. When I think it, when I think of actors that have like, the physicalness needed. I think of Donald Glover would be a great mm. Beetlejuice. Yeah. Um, who else comes to mind? No, you could totally do a gender swap and have like a, a female Beetlejuice. Yeah, Melissa McCarthy. Like, who's so funny right now that I love? Melissa McCarthy I would know. crush this role. 
I feel. Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah. I think she'd be hilarious. As a Beetlejuice. Or like a Kristen Bell, just like a little tink, like kind of Beetlejuice. <laughs> I don't know. There's just so many fun ways to put it together. But it's such a such a great story. You know, a couple trapped in a house, navigating the afterlife together. Mm-hmm. I think some of the best parts of it are just seeing all the creative ways people died. Like the guy who got flattened and he has to go through, like, he goes through like the crack He's in on the a hanger. two machines. He's like, yeah. The, the, the football team that clearly was on a bus and they're like, okay, coach. And she's like, I'm not your coach. The coach made it. You know, just these little jokes. <laughs> I saw that there was like a, a reference to like a flight. They're like, oh, this flight now arriving at gate three. And it's like a little Easter egg. If you look it up, that flight was like in the f- 1955 was like the worst plane crash oh, of all time. Oh, no. It's like kind of dark. But. That's, that's great though. <laughs> I mean, I love stuff like that on little details. Yeah, I definitely think it's worth a rewatch this Halloween. If you're in the US, it's available on Peacock, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, but surely you can rent it other places. Yeah, and I think Amazon. Yeah, I think I think it's worth a rewatch for sure. But David, having said that, this movie is not one that was made alone. Mm-hmm. And if you were gonna give somebody from the cast or crew a shout out, who would you choose? I am going to go with Betty. Jean Slater. Slater. Betty Jean, Betty Jean, Betty Jean. Said her name three times. She is in the wardrobe department, um, which I, <laughs> I loved everybody, not just Beetlejuice, but all the different costumes. They have like um, the the bride and groom costumes that they had for them when you know they get when they're trying to do that seance or whatever. Um, every all the clothes that Beetlejuice wore, uh, Lydia. You know, her super goth emo clothes that she's constantly wearing. Um, I, I thought she did a fantastic job in this. She's worked on um, middle 80s to like early 90s. Um, but she did White Man Can't Jump. Great movie, which we should do at some point. The Running Man, The Color Purple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah. So without you, you know, we wouldn't have some of these great costumes. So Betty Jean Slater, we see you and we appreciate you. And all the people that dress up as these characters for Halloween. Appreciate Every, you. Yeah. 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 What about Absolutely. you? Well, we were in the same headspace. I went for Aggie Gerard Rogers, maybe a relation of yours. Cousin? I don't know. She was the costume designer on this. So obviously the wardrobe department puts together these outfits day in, day out, make sure they look great. I feel like costume design is something that we don't always talk about. These are the people like literally sitting over pieces of paper, like imagining what these can look like. And similar to you, I think the costumes are so iconic from Catherine O'Hara's like glove headband to <laughs> there was little Easter eggs throughout the film. I was reading like she's somebody says something that she's like a master of revisioning like or or, uh, of revising clothing and there's like a scene where her husband is wearing a red sweater and then the following scene she's wearing them as pants held up by suspenders like shit Ah, like that is just fucking hilarious to me um but aggie most recently worked on love is love is love in 2020 she worked on bad therapy she worked on a bunch of different movies um the double leone 
uh, Le Maison, Pig Hunt. Uh, she worked on the film version of Rent in 2005, which is a great, great film, great costumes. Um, lots of things. Evolution, The Hurricane, Holy Man. You know, she's doing she's doing a couple movies a year here and there. Like, it's pretty she, – she'd be working she be out working. here. But, yeah, her last credit was in 2020. So I hope she's still doing her thing. And for now, Aggie, we see you and we appreciate Aggie, you. Aggie, we see you and we appreciate you. All right, David, now we have to decide if this film has aged like milk or not. What are you saying, sir? I am saying this movie held up, and I love this movie. It's great. Um, <laughs> I love Beetlejuice. If I could hang out with them, you know, I would let them loose. I'd, I'd go to random public places like <laughs> bars, and I would just say Beetlejuice three times, and then i just, I just sit back and watch. <laughs> <laughs> see what happens everything unfolds enjoy the chaos exactly. enjoy the free show but um you know the i'm glad that tim burton was attached to this and he put his stamp on it um that, like i said the acting was great michael keaton this is probably one of my favorite roles for him and just the range that this guy has like i, I aspire to you know have his career and and do some of be able to do some of the things that he can do the way he stretches so uh, i love this movie i think it's great and i you know i'll watch this anytime what about you love it i think it oh i think it it aged a bit for me i want to say it aged like Beetlejuice, perhaps. <laughs> uh, some juice from a beetle. Well done. Well um, I'm done. sure you, you can drink it. It's, I don't know. It was just the groping for me. It was the child bride. It was the lack of diversity. I think it is a movie that's obviously kind of considered a classic. I also did enjoy watching it, but I think, you know, the name of the podcast is Age Like Milk. I do think it was left in the back of the fridge and maybe some moss grew on it, you know, <laughs> the same way that it grew on it. Beetlejuice's face. It's just, you know, there are some themes. There are some things in here that I'm like, oh, doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. So I guess I'm drinking the Beetlejuice juice in the back <laughs> of the fridge. Um, but I had to ask myself, you know, some questions about it. And I think if there is the opportunity for a remake, I think it will obviously be more diverse and whatever. Yeah. But like you said, there were so many dead people. The girl who, like, the receptionist at the office, like, she was blue. Mm -hmm. She could be, you know, Latinx or something. Like, yeah. it just felt for an afterlife and stuff very, very whitewashed. Oh, there was a black guy in it. Yeah, he, was he was a the, Zulu tribal Him and then the, the football player that actually has a few lines. And he's like, Coach, I think we, I I don't know, think we survived, Coach. bit stereotypical. Oh, definitely stereotypical. Yeah. yeah. I'm not debating that so. point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can do better. But also, yeah, the, the sexual assault was not ideal. Like, the fact that he was, like, trying to lift up her skirt to look under. And we were all like, oh. I'm like, nah, yeah, that's, fuck that's that. a little bit creepy. Fuck that shit. So if they made this today and he he was doing the same gropey stuff, but had a. Um, I don't no, like, think I'm he just saying. Needs to. But they had, like, a, um, a coordinator on set, which I'm glad, you know, they're doing right now. Do you think. Would you feel the same way knowing that person was there and then... No, fuck it. Yeah. No, I don't think that this kind of stuff is funny. I don't think we need to normalize jokey, groping things. I think Beetlejuice works just as well being, you know, a guy that does shenanigans mm -hmm. like scaring people without the sexually assault stuff. And the marriage thing was so shoehorned in there. It could have been like so many souls, you know, like, oh, 
I'm coming back. You have to trade bodies with me. Oh, I'm coming back. You have to, you know, uh, move out of the house. You know, there's a, the marriage thing was so weird. No, I don't. I say, fuck it. Yeah. I say, I don't want it. Even if there's a, it's just not funny. And also kids are, are very impressionable. People are impressionable. Like groping a woman is not funny. I don't give a shit of the contents context, you know, like we need to stop normalizing that. That's not a punchline. My body is not a punchline. My physical safety, my comfortable comfortability is not a punchline. So I say no, fuck that shit. Okay. Yeah. And that's what I'll say on that. Fuck you, Beetlejuice, you scumbag. Just kidding. Um, well, he I do is love a this scumbag. In some ways. Yeah. But that's it for now. That's the first of our Halloween. David, I've been in Toronto, um, Europe, you know, coming to you from around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really glad that we get to enjoy the spooky season together. Yeah. Love Hallow's Eves. And we've got some great other titles coming up for you guys. Make sure you stay tuned mm-hmm. and enjoy the season of Ghouls and Gals. For now, David, you should just go ahead and check your fridge. And make sure that milk ain't spoiled. Gross milk is gross. That's it for now. Don't say Beetlejuice. He'll come out of the cupboard and molest you. Bye. <laughs>